Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 223, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we will dazzle and entertain you today. We'll have a phenomenal conversation, I imagine, with Clarence E. Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He was there in person earlier this week when Jerry Jones decided to sit down with select local media. So we'll get his thoughts on all things Jerry and the Cowboys We've got a really interesting trip around the block that we will take with you. Some other Cowboys thoughts and whatnot that we will get into. We even got to talk a little Mavs because as we sit here right now at the end of March, many of you listening to this on April Fool's Day, the Mavs have five games remaining, essentially one full week left in the regular season, and they are smoking. But before any of that, greening law is where you need to be. If you've been hurt in a car accident, malpractice from a physician, a hospital, you were injured on the premises of a business. I hope that you have taken my advice and you memorized 972-934-8900 because you, my friend, need to call the lawyers at Greening Law and let them be that fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. That's because all it takes is one single phone call and your life could change. If they take you on as a client, whoo, it is your lucky day because Greening Law will grind for you like none other. And what they do is they answer all the questions. Check this out. You didn't even know we're supposed to be asked. They've got answers to everything. They cover everything. They keep you up to date on everything. They make you feel better than you've ever felt about having somebody handle your business. And that's why Grinning Law is really good at what they do. 972-934-8900. Consultations are free. If you think you've got a case, you very well might. Give yourself the opportunity to give them a call and find out. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Dallas Cowboys, you realize we are this weekend, again, it's that first weekend of April, we're one month away from the draft. Thursday, April 28th is the first round of the draft. Second round and third round will be that Friday, and of course, four through seven Saturday. But we have entered draft month. And one of the things that the Cowboys, and I'm sure a lot of the teams do this, but we don't pay as hardcore attention to the other teams. The Cowboys, generally speaking, you can kind of get an idea of where they're looking in the first round by looking at every NFL team gets 30 visits in person throughout the draft process. And you can kind of look at some of the guys that they invite in and look at the names and be like, okay, so this is the position 
that you're kind of focusing on with that first round. Because some of the names, you know, if there's 30 visits, a, a third of them are going to be names that they're not. nobody would draft in the first round. I mean, they, they do bring in people for mid-round picks because they want to kind of have an idea of what they're talking about. We don't know all the 30 names yet, but John Mashoda of The Athletic, he released a list today, and I believe this is nine names that he is saying can, these are nine of the 30. And I can give you the 10th. Okay. So here are the nine that he released. And these are wide receivers. Drake London, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave. You've got Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Ohio State. Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia. And then these are the following. All of these are linemen. Charles Cross, Bernard Rahman, Kenyon Green, and Zion Johnson. All right, and the tenth name would be James Houston, the defensive end, linebacker, or they view they actually view him as a defensive end pass okay. rusher from Jackson State. So that tells you right there that's that's a third of the Cowboys' visits. The ones that we just named, all those guys most likely are going first round, especially that group of wide receivers. And I thought it was interesting because based on what Jerry said, you know, it kind of alludes to the fact that they're going offensive linemen. Well, Cross, Raymond, and Kenyon Green, and Zion Johnson, they're all going in the first round, those linemen. And those receivers that we know that they're bringing in, they're also all for sure going in the first round, which leads you to believe that at the that 24th pick, wide receiver offensive lineman right now is a leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I think um, I think the, the good thing if you're, if you're drafting it, and you're a fan of the Cowboys, is that they've proven over the past few years that they really will take the best player there. In the past, I think they've, they've kind of settled. Taco Charlton comes to mind. Uh, they, and so maybe, that's, maybe that was their um, – uh, who's the cornerback? Maybe that was their Brandon guy. Like, once they, once they went with Taco, Taco Charlton, they were like, you know what, we can't do this anymore, bro. We're yeah. not just drafting because drafting we need a guy. Let's just draft a good player, and we'll figure out how to fill a need later. Um, all those, you know, I, I, it would not shock me. Now check this out, Matt. If one of those receivers fell, and they took one, nor would it shock me if they went O line, O line with the first two picks. If one, if a blinking light was there in the second round. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by either of that. I, I think that ideally they would like to get a wide receiver in the first couple of rounds. Like I, I, but again, like you're talking about, it kind of depends on where guys are. Drake London's not going to be there at 24. If he is, I'd be shocked. And then you run up to the, and you, it's an easy pick. It's like the CD Lamb light. I would be kind of surprised if Chris Olave is still there at 24. Traylon Burks could be there. Jameson Williams obviously could be there, but he's coming off that catastrophic injury that he had, the, the, the torn ACL and all that with Alabama in the championship game. It feels like they keep leaning towards like the Kenyon Green, who's the the Aggies guard, uh, Taylor Lindenbaum, who's a center who played at Iowa, I think is probably one of the guys that might be in that mix. Again, I'd be really surprised if Charles Cross makes it all the way to 24, but you never know. So. And, and, and you start looking at some of these guys and it kind of just paints that picture of, okay, this is where they're looking and what is realistic in that range. And some of those names especially a guard or a center, is extremely realistic at 24. Dude, it's time for us to pull out the draft machine. I know. I just had it up. It's amazing you said that because I pulled it up <laughs> so we could go through it. Oh, uh, okay. See, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I mean, we're, we may even be a week late, but, hey, um, it's been busy around here. But, yeah, it, seemed, it just felt like it's time for the draft machine. But um, 
Now, this sounds old school, but it's true, man. They, I was talking to somebody the other day. They really have so many holes to me that whatever they want to pick, as long as it's a good player, yeah, I can get, I can get down with it. That's what it, that's what it feels like for me, that they got a lot of spots they need to fill. And just get guys who can play, man. You can never have enough guys who can play. See, and, and so speaking of the draft machine, because I did fire it up, and it, it's very interesting because in what I just did, so the Cowboys picked 24th, and I'm just going to do, we'll do a couple of rounds here, but we used to do this on the radio show. I think we did it on the podcast last year. You guys recognize it's a predictive draft machine at thedraftnetwork.com where you can just, it kind of gives you an idea fairly realistically. I mean, sometimes like this one may be a little off, like, for instance, right now, I just did it. We're on the clock at 24, and Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are still on the board. Now, there is a possibility. There is a, a strain of thought out there that there will not be a quarterback taken until the very end of round one, and that Dude, teams like okay. Pittsburgh or New Orleans that are looking for a quarterback might rather go and get one in the second round because there's not, like, a drastic separation between Pickett, Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter. We hear that. Maybe it's the greatest smoke screen of all time, yeah. but it sure seems like Pittsburgh is on Willis. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that Pittsburgh's not taking it, and New Orleans, which, but then again, and this is, at least right now, still an amazing trivia question. The last time the New Orleans Saints drafted a quarterback in the first round was Archie Manning. Yeah, bro. Arch. That's how long ago it was. Yes. I mean, way ass long time ago. I believe that was 1972, if I recall, was the last time the Saints drafted a quarterback in the first round. They just do not do that. Is there a quarterback they like enough at 18 where they would do that in this draft? I don't know. Now, here where we're at, Drake London went off the board at 18 to the Saints. Then you had Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa, off the board to Pittsburgh at 20. That leaves the Cowboys with their options here, and there are two good ones, and I think that there's this is realistic to me. All right, let me see, let me see, let me hear, let me hear. Kenyon Green, the the guard from AM, Chris Olave, who is still somehow there at 24, Woo! but also Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, who is the prototypical 6'4, 225 guy. If these are the three and they're all three available, that would make it difficult because I think that you'd really have to think long and hard about Chris Olave right there. I think you'd have to think real hard about Chris Olave and be like, okay, we traded Amari Cooper. Now we're back to yeah. uh, three terrific receivers. They're all young, and we should all have them for the next four or five years. Dak gets that continuity, and then uh, we'll go fix our offensive line in the second round, and uh, perhaps in free agency we'll get a veteran who can help us out. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel that way, too, that if you feel like you've got a chance, it's about the offense. Like you said, you're almost replacing Amari Cooper. I, I think you would go Chris Olave there. No, I think you would. Um, he's a burner. He's a route runner. You know, um, he's a terrific receiver. Uh, he's a blocker, too. So, yeah, now, you know, I am a little biased because he is a Buckeye, but there's a reason why he's going in the first round. Yep, and, and there he goes. So we, we take Chris Olave. Loading up the Cowboys' weapons, and that gets us to our second-round pick, which is pick 56 here in the second round. And in this one, again, I wonder if they'd go somebody like Jamari, Jamari Saylor, who is the, or Salier, the kid from Georgia who's a guard from Georgia. You've got uh, Parham, the guard from Memphis, is sitting around here. 
Oh, I'm trying to look and see. Kennard, the guard from Kentucky, who's a beast. He had a great career at Kentucky. Um, yeah, those are probably the best offensive linemen that are still available. Well, then I think we're just taking whichever whichever is the highest rated guard on our board, which is who, Matt? Which? Because you've done all the pro visits. Let's see. We've done all the pro visits. You look around, you're like, hmm, who do I like the best? <laughs> you know, and offensive linemen are so weird because it tends to be guys that I've at least heard of, and I've heard of them or seen them play mainly because I watch a ridiculous amount of SEC football. And so, oh, so we're going with the guy from Kentucky. Yeah, to me, I would probably say either him or the kid from Georgia. And on this board, like just the whatever you would call this, a predictive thing that they're doing, they have the dude from Georgia rated higher. Okay. I can, you know, I'm a, I so can we'll just take him. Sal, Salier, the kid from Georgia, who's slightly rated higher. That gives us our guard, a position of need anyway. And then we can see who's available in the third round. Maybe we just get another offensive lineman. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, hell, this is one of those drafts kind of like last year where they drafted all those defensive players where if they went and just picked a whole bunch of offensive linemen, I wouldn't be pissed off about it. No, not at all. Man, see, so here's this is where this gets interesting because Channing Tindell, the linebacker from Georgia, is available here. He was pretty solid at Georgia. Ed Ingram, a guard at LSU. Fidarian Mathis, the defensive lineman, the interior guy who's a beast from Alabama, who I feel like would be a solid third-round pick. Abraham Lucas, a offensive tackle from Washington. Those would probably be the names to me, unless you want to look at tight end. No, nah, I'm not interested in tight end. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that list of names that you... But if you, want a, if you want a linebacker, this would be a really good spot, and I think you're getting some value on the dude from Georgia. If we want a linebacker, if we want a guard, we probably want... Man, this is... Who do we? I want? don't think I don't think we want a guard. If it was a tackle who could who we could move inside for a year, I'd be down with that. But I don't think we want a guard because we got Zach. We got the guy we took in the second round. And he's not going to play. We still got McGovern, um, and we need guys who can contribute in some way, shape, or form to uh, to this year's team. All right. Well, how about then Abraham Lucas, who's a tackle from Washington State, who. He's one of those guys, like, if you look at, like, Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper or whatever, they've got him in their top 100. Oh, okay. So this would fit, you know, right around. We're pick 88. I think they had him actually, like, in the, in the top 75. So I think that would be a good tackle selection there. That's a blinking light, people. <laughs> and that gives us, God, we got a wide receiver, and we feel better about our two back-to-back -back offensive line selections. And now in the fourth round, we can get another Dak Prescott-level player. <laughs> Hell yeah. That we tried not to draft because we tried to trade a gazillion times. Dude, they, they, you know, people say this draft thing is hard. It's really not. God, we have great on. success. We do great. Yeah. God, remember when we used to send them to the Cowboys and they would kick it back and be like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and it would be either thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. We may try that again. That'd, that'd be, why not? All right. So I just wanted to do four rounds here because I was just curious. Yeah, and see, now you're getting into the part of the draft where, I mean, running backs are available. Linebacker, that Bernard kid from Baylor is available here. Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma, the edge rusher. Man, Velas Jones Jr., but we already drafted a wide receiver. That That's one of those I'd, dudes, Velas Jones, who is like a starter kit for Debo Samuel. Oh, is he now? Yeah, but you wouldn't. I, I, I think he's... 
I, there's no way in real life that dude's here. I, I don't. I wouldn't think. But maybe he is. Well, then, well then I would go with the uh, with the edge rusher. Okay, that's what I thought. Let's see where did I put him. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, the edge rusher, not to be confused with the NBA basketball players. No, not at all. So we will take him then. Why is it making noise? Who? It's my computer was making noise. So no. everybody on the, I was trying to type something so to make the selection. So everybody's going to well, hear that on the podcast. We get over it. Well, finally, it's some of your stuff making noise. No, and it's not me, yeah. I know when I make noise. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, just doing those first four rounds. But I, I feel like if the Cowboys came away from that and you had Chris Olave, the wide receiver, you got a, a guard in the second round, a tackle in the third round, and then an edge rusher in the fourth round, I, I feel like you're really happy with your first three picks for sure. Oh, absolutely, because you got guys who feel like they can play. I mean, and contribute I'm, right away. And to me, that's the key. I am excited about that. And that's where you hope that you're at. Dude, that, I would be excited about that because you're hoping that the draft can fortify what, what is now a lesser roster than, mm-hmm. than the end of the season. And that's okay uh, because, you know, I mean, that's what the offseason is for. Uh, you know, people, teams, players move, adjustments are made, and whatever. But you got to go – into the draft, especially the draft that Will McClay has said is uh, one of the deepest that, that the teams have seen in a long time. You got to get uh, you got to get guys who can contribute, bro. Yeah, and this is good news. So I just was real quick. I was curious. So ESPN with their guys, you know, they've got all these draft Kuiper Jr., McShay, Jordan Reed and Matt Miller. And I was curious. So I typed in the dude that we drafted in the second round to see how they had him ranked as far as guards go. Jimmery Salier and Mel Kuyper and Jordan Reed both have him as the fifth best guard available in this draft. All right. Well, let's shoot. That's the definition of a blinking light. Yeah. So not too bad. The fact that we got him there in the second round, you got a guy that you feel like you can put in and is going to be a contributor for you. Nice. We did very well. We should be proud of ourselves. Hell yeah, I am. All right, so there you go, a little Cowboys draft. And then did you see a couple other things from the NFL before we move on here? There is a reason, and now we know the reason, that the Cowboys weren't going to get Bobby Wagner. <laughs> did you see this? Bobby Wagner. Well, I saw, go ahead. Bobby Wagner has signed a five-year deal with the Los Angeles Rams, who once again... Once again, the Rams are a team that apparently don't care about the cap and don't care about just kicking the can down the road. They signed a Bobby Wagner five years for a deal worth up to $65 million if he reaches incentives. Uh, yeah, but he number one is it's I haven't even seen the deal. We just know it's highly unlikely he's going to reach the incentives. So it's more like a five-year deal for $50 million. Yes. And that's okay. $10 million a year uh, but, for Bobby Wagner. But then the real question is, because we also know there's a five-year deal for salary cap purposes, the last couple years are probably uh, trash uh, years that don't count. So it's really about what's he getting in the next two or three years. That's the real money. That's the real value of the deal, what he gets in the first two to three years. Yeah, and that's where they're – but, again, they're going for it. This is a team that's on top right now. You got Matt Stafford right now. You've got these pieces that you have built this thing with, and they're trying to run it back and improve. Now, three, four years from now, their cap may be all kinds of trouble, but by then, you'd be looking at it and be like, who cares? If it, They already won one Super Bowl. Maybe they're going to get another one. And if they do that, 
If the Cowboys won two Super Bowls in the next five years, I don't give a rat's ass what happens in the five years after that. I'm good. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole point is to win. Now, I will say this. We say that, uh, but you do care a little bit because, like, the Florida Marlins, they won they won a couple World Series, and they were trash in between right. there. And it's like, Jesus, really? But when you win, a lot of that's forgotten, brother. And it's about winning. And the Cowboys have had such a long drought from that. You probably would sell your soul like Jerry did the first time he won. Yeah. Uh, you know, because clearly that's clearly that's what happened. There's no other reason the drought should be this long. Yeah, man. I mean, un- unbelievable. So you've got that. And the other thing that you sent me, and I saw this as well, and, and it's just, I don't even know what the right word would be to describe this dude, but Antonio Brown. <laughs> Idiot. I, I, Antonio, I'm, not being, I'm not even being funny. Just idiot. Antonio Brown via TMZ Sports had this to say. I still feel like I can put up big numbers and I see what these guys are getting paid. I just wonder why my value isn't being upheld as the same. <laughs> I don't know, Antonio. Why? Is it because you took off your uniform in the middle of a game and ran out on a team? It, maybe that's why nobody wants to pay you. Dude, I have... I have like, you really want to be like, bro, you seriously just messing with us. He's got to be doing a bit at this point, right? Uh, Surely. Bro, I don't know because half of it is these guys are delusional. I mean, they just really are delusional. And so he may really think that, yeah, I'm getting hosed. They're screwing me. Like, bro, come on, man. His career is over. Nobody's going to uh, nobody's going to sign him, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb for that because, I mean, he's just at the point now where he's just like, for what? You can't touch I, him. Yeah, why would I even bring you into my team? Because you've already proved to me that you're going to shit on us at some point. You know, so why? Yeah, I don't even want you around, bro. Amazing. By the way, Antonio Brown, and I get it. Yes, he's not making the hundreds of millions of dollars. Antonio Brown made $81 million in his career. So I think he's okay. Well, shoot, bro. He made $81 million, but, you know, he had planned to probably make like 120 So, you know, he might have lived like he was making 81 Well, <laughs> see, well, if that's the problem and he lived like that, then he should have thought about he started doing those things where it was going to play out like this and waited till he got the money he wanted, then do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not disputing it. I feel you on that. Because, you know, they call it, and, and again, this is just what people call it, so get ready for your expl- your expletive. They call it fuck you money. Yeah. And and you either got it or you don't. And some people, it's different levels of that where you're comfortable where you're at, where you can literally just tell somebody, like, well, you need to do this and this. You're like, nah, fuck you. I'm good. Because you got the money. You can say that. Right. Most people can't. And so Antonio Brown, if if he didn't feel like he had that, then he shouldn't have told all those teams essentially that. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you have that uh, your own inflated. What is it? You you've inflated your own worth to the point where you can't even see it, bro. No, that's very true as well. Maybe he's done that. You know, it's it's almost like uh, you know. I mean, nah, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was going there, and I was like, Taylor, you don't need to go there. Just stop. Well, we'll just move forward then, <laughs> because I'm excited. Because guess who's back? Who's back? Bruce Biltong is back. 
Hell yeah. Yes. I've missed you guys. We have Bruce Biltong. We've been telling you about them for a while, and they are back. They're back with us on the podcast. We're still the only podcast they've ever worked with. We're the only podcast he is helping out. And Bruce Biltong, you guys, go out there and order your Biltong. Show them that, yes, indeed, the Jam Session Nation is here, and they will support you like you support us. And if we're some of your, our new listeners, maybe you don't know what Biltong is. Biltong is like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. Jacques and I will tell you straight up, we think it's better. I think it's more savory. I don't think it's as tough. I think it is a better snack than beef jerky ever was. I love it. Dude, the shave Biltong, man, is Joyce. It's Joyce. That's a combination of ju- juicy and moist. It's Joyce. It's Joyce. And- <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's uh, it's great, man. It's great for a snack, man. It's got a lot of protein in it. Uh, Thirty grams is a two ounce bag. It's got no carbs. It's great for you. It's a great snack if you're trying to watch your weight. Get a little fuel in the middle of the day. It's fantastic. I'm telling you straight up. Like you're talking about these snack bags. They have these two ounce snack bags. 240 calories, 30 grams of protein. For me, I think it's a phenomenal post workout snack. But you can have it whenever you want. It's filling. It's delicious. It's Biltong. Check it out online at bruisebiltong.com. That's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Bruisebiltong.com. And again, use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15. Use it at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order at bruisebiltong.com. All right, so let's take this trip around the block. And there's, man, there's a few things I wanted to get into here. First... I saw this the other day, and then you sent it to me, and I, I had talked about this on the radio. It, it, it's sad, and it's it's crazy, but the actor Bruce Willis, you know, yeah. I mean, all of us know Bruce Willis, man. I mean, it, he, he, I don't even know how many IMDb. That dude's probably been in 200 movies, I bet. But Bruce Willis, they have announced that he is retiring from acting because he has been diagnosed with a condition called aphasia, which apparently causes the loss of your ability to speak and understand speech due to brain damage. And unfortunately, obviously, when you're an actor and you have to memorize lines and do things of that nature, he will no longer be able to do film. And it's okay. I just looked it up. He's been in 144 different movies. That's amazing. And, you know, you look at the career that that dude has had, and the wild thing is he's only 67 years old. Well, dude, when I was reading the story, he was like in eight movies last year and six other ones this year that have yet to be released. I was Mm -hmm. like, my God, when do you got time to do all of that? He does apparently now for the last few years, and I, I, I I swear I'd seen him in something more recently, but apparently he basically, the stuff that he does now is straight to video. And I mean, dir- right, he does a lot of direct to video type stuff. Okay. Now I'm just asking, cause I don't know. I, I guess if you do a regular movie, you finish it in the same amount of time. They just hold on to it for six months or a year. Yeah. And it, it's generally like a, a much more higher budget. Cause you have to go through like the post-production and, and there's just like a lot more. And then you're putting it into films and you're doing press and all that type of thing. And direct to video. I mean, nowadays it's, Okay, he made a movie, and you can go right now and rent it on Amazon Prime or whatever. Yeah, okay. As a matter of fact, the only thing that he has done in the last three years that wasn't direct-to-video was a movie called Midnight in the Switchgrass, which I didn't see. But his last, God, this is probably, his last 15 movies are all direct-to-video. All right. 
Right. Which, you know, are usually those cheesy action movies where you're playing the same guy over and over and they kind of lame, but, you know, you, you come across <laughs> them and you end up watching it and you're like, man, okay, they killed a bunch of dudes. Cool. But, man, you 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 look at the, at Bruce Willis's career, just film career, not even talking about where he started in TV, comes out and in the late 80s, Die Hard drops in 1988 and he just explodes as a, as a movie star. Look Who's Talking, the Die Hard movies, Bonfire of the Vanities, Hudson Hawk. The Last Boy Scout, which is a super underrated Bruce Willis movie with, with uh, Damon Wayans is in that as well. And yeah. that's a fantastic movie. I'm um, trying to think. He was in Pulp Fiction, obviously phenomenal in that. Twelve Monkeys, Last Man Standing, The Fifth Element, The Jackal, Armageddon, The Siege, The Sixth Sense, The Whole Nine Yards, Unbreakable, Tears of the Sun. I mean, it, the Sin City, the list just keeps going on and on and on where this dude, I mean, he is what a movie star is. No, nah, I mean, he's uh, he had a hell of a run for a long time, um, not even including the last few years when he's been doing this straight to video stuff, man. But, uh, you know, he's kind of a cool dude, man. And it felt like what's the word I'm looking for? He's a really likable character. And it, I want to say it all started with the show he was doing, Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd, where he was just yep. uh, mm-hmm. he was just a different kind of dude in that show. And I, I think it was a character we hadn't really seen before, kind of a pithy smartass before pithy smartass became everybody. Which he nailed as John McClane in Die Hard. Yeah. Nailed that character. And you're right, he started, he really exploded on the scene with Moonlighting. He had been in a couple of, he was actually in an episode of Miami Vice in 1984, and then Moonlighting came out and ran for a few years, and that vaulted him to stardom. Then he got into the movies with Die Hard and all that. And, you know, that character, John McClane, to me, is one of the best action heroes of all time and is almost one of the most realistic because he's just some dude who just happens to be a cop who just doesn't give up. Like, he's not larger than life. He's not super huge muscle guy. He doesn't do crazy karate or anything. He just keeps coming at you, even though you've beat him up and thrown him down and his feet are all cut up and he's just going to get you until he's done. Yeah, it's uh, it's relentlessness. It's, uh, you know, I think in that character people saw because he wasn't Schwarzenegger, you could buy into it like, you know, it's not really me, but I could see a normal everyday cat doing yeah. that if he was just committed to the cause and that's what he was he was committed to the cause yeah you're right because he wasn't stallone or arnold he, he wasn't like oh my god this dude is ripped look at those muscles he's just like an everyday looking dude exactly you know and that's one of the reasons why i think Die Hard did so well is you know yeah it's a great action movie but there's so many diehards because that character the john mcclain character is just he's sarcastic he kind of likes his job but kind of doesn't hates his bosses half the time and is just a normal guy who gets thrown in these situations and does what's right for the sake of doing what's right and uh you know we all wish we would do what's right for the sake of doing what's right but as we've discussed we just never know if we will or not yeah and you know for me, my favorite Die Hard is Die Hard 3, Die Hard at the Vengeance, the one that Samuel L. Jackson is in. And it's partially because of that, because, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is just a normal dude in the movie. His character is just some normal dude, and he teams up with this crazy cop who obviously goes to Harlan with that sign on, and he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And he explains the situation, and Samuel L. Jackson's like, I'm going to help you, basically. And it becomes this essentially two normal, everyday guys that save all these kids and save the city. And it works, nah. and it's believable. Dude, now see, I feel bad because 
I don't. God, I'm I'm embarrassed to say this. This is worse than when I farted on the show. Oh no. I don't think I've ever seen Die Hard from start to finish. Any of them? Uh, any of them? I certainly don't remember the last what? two. What? <laughs> You've never seen Die Hard from start to finish. Any of them? I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't. I know Dude. I haven't seen the last two from start to finish. But uh, I mean, there there's. I've seen pieces of the first one, but. Um, I really don't think I've seen them, bro, from start to finish. There are multiple diehards now. I mean, you have diehard one, two, and three. And then after that, diehard four was live free or die hard. Then they had the fifth one, which was a good day to die hard. Really? Yeah. Were the, were the, uh, okay, were the four, five, and six, were they worth looking at or were they all dumb? No, I thought they were all good. The, the last one I didn't think was as good, but Live Free or Die Hard is fantastic as an action movie. And again, my favorite is the one that came out. It's the third one that came out in 95. You would know if you have seen that one because Samuel Jackson's in it. I mean, he's, he's just as right. big a part as, as Bruce so, Willis. I don't think I've seen it, bro. God, that is wild because that's such a good one. I wonder why I haven't seen it. I don't know either, man, because like it starts out like what happens within the first 10 minutes of the movie, you'll be like, what the hell? Really? Yeah, it's good. Like it's totally worth watching. It still holds up even though it came out in 95. Hey, well, maybe I'll assign it to myself. You need to. I can't believe you haven't seen. I mean, the first Die Hard is such a classic and it still works. I mean, the whole story of all that works and Hans Gruber and Nakatomi Tower and that whole bit. Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Man, that is crazy. <laughs> See, I, I like to tend, I tend to say because a lot of that stuff maybe it came out during football season when I was heavy into the beat or I was heavy writing columns and it just, you know, it just I just never had a chance to see it and then, you know, it, it left my consciousness as something I needed to go see. Yeah, wow. Man, that is, I mean, you talk about the breaking news of the podcast. <laughs> You've never seen Die Hard all the way through. Bro. And I and I will say Die Hard 2, I think, is not as good as Die Hard 1, but I thought Die Hard 3 was just as good, if not. Die Hard 3, to me, personally, I think is the best of the entire series. All right. All I right. love that as an action film, because it just goes right at the front, and it's intense, and Samuel L. Jackson is badass in it, and it just, I, I like the whole, them two together just work really, really well. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get on it, bro. You're going to have to. My God. That is amazing. All right, well, Bruce Willis, I mean. Uh, now, the whole part was we were discussing Bruce Willis because the thing that he's got is like, to me, bro, that's up there with, uh, I mean, it's just one of the worst things you can have, uh, especially given his line of work and what his life has been all about. Uh, he's got a aphasia, which means, you know, he has trouble understanding yeah. words. He has under, he's trouble speaking if he can speak or whatever. It's just like you're trapped in your own brain. Because your intelligence is still there, but you can't communicate. Yep. And it's 67 years old, too. And, and you hate to see it. But, you know, it's funny. Movie stars that get older are like this because we remember them. And especially on this level, we've seen so many of his movies that you don't realize that you probably haven't seen one of his movies for five or six years. Right, right. Because maybe it's on TV or you you scroll past it on Netflix. And you're like, oh, yeah, Bruce Willis. I saw that. And you're like, oh, my God, that came out in 2015. Like Sean Connery, before he passed away, was like that for me. And, and now it's, you know who that is? It's Gene Hackman, who's still alive. Gene Hackman Ooh. is 92 years old. I don't think he's been in a movie in 20 years. Has it been that long? Let me look real quick, but I think that's about right. 
Yeah, his wow. fi- his final role in a film was from 2004, Welcome to Mooseport. Really? Yeah, but see, but Gene Hackman, you would you never would have thought he hadn't been in a movie in 18 years. Hell no. Because you see him all the time. I mean, as actors get older, they're, they're kind of like that because I think Morgan Freeman is like the only dude who's a little older who is still actively doing a bunch of movies. Yeah, well, see, I, I liked uh, Gene in Enemy of the State. Yeah. He was... He was he was an old dude when he did that. Yeah, and that came out like in in the early 2000s or late 90s because Runaway Jury that he did with, with John Cusack, that came out in 2003. That was his second to last movie that he did. Jeez. Which is crazy. But again, I mean, when you get, he's 92 years old. It's like, okay, well, what, what, what do we expect him to do at 92 years old? <laughs> he doesn't need to act Texas. anymore, any of that. No, he's just lucky. He's just happy when he wakes up and takes a breath. I mean, pretty much, you know, not everybody is the, again, the Morgan Freemans of the world because more, you know, Morgan Freeman's 84 years old. Damn. Well, he was on the electric company when I was a kid. (laughs) I mean, Morgan Freeman. And, but you don't think about him being that old. Nah, but he is. I mean, he he is is God. He was. Or, or old as God, one of the two. No, he, I mean, he's played God in a couple of films, in the Bruce Almighty <laughs> film or whatever. Dude was born in Memphis, Tennessee in 1937. He's been in 143 different movies. But see, point that? being with him, he's been in multiple movies. Hell, he was just in the Hitman's Wife's, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard that came out last year. So, I mean, he's still in his 80s, and he's just rocking away, man. So it's just kind of wild like that for some actors for whatever reason. The other thing, and, and I had seen this, and you sent it over as well, and I, I don't know how I feel about this. For those that don't know, there's a country music star. I mean, he is a big-time star named Eric Church. He sang a variety of songs that he got famous for. Uh, some of them, for those that may know, he sings that song, Talladega. He sings, trying to think what else he sings, How About You, Guys Like Me, a handful of others. Anyways, I mean, we're talking about a guy, multiple albums. He can sell out big-time stadiums. He is supposed to have a concert. It is sold out in San Antonio on Saturday night. He has canceled the concert. Oh, my God, he got sick. Is he okay? Is he all right? Is, did he get hospitalized? What happened? <laughs> he is a huge North Carolina fan, and he has canceled the concert because he wants to be in attendance when Duke plays North Carolina in the Final Four. Let me see, man. I'm going to say it like this. I get it. I really do. Uh, but once you made the commitment to your fan base that I'm going to be show, I'm gonna be at this show, and once you sold it out with 17,000 tickets, um, for all those people who have changed their schedules and moved their shit around and taken days off to make sure that they could go or to make sure that the next morning they didn't have to go to work because they were going to have a great time, it's, uh, I don't know, it seems kind of bad that, uh, that you took it off because, you know, that's your fan base and you kind of owe it to your fan base because they kind of help you be who you are. Yeah, and, and he said in his letter to, to the church choir, Eric Church, he said, this is the most selfish thing I've ever asked the choir to do. <laughs> Give up your Saturday night plans with us so I can have this moment with my family and sports community. And, you know, to some degree, I get it. Like, he's at a level. He'll probably lose some fans over this. 
But the other part of it that bothers me, there's two things here. One, he has the money to do this and it doesn't matter. He has the money to live his life and to tell 50,000 people, hey, basically, F you, I'm doing what I want to do tonight. Some of those people, I guarantee you, saved up and put money aside because Eric Church was coming to their town and they are going to take, hey, my boyfriend is a huge Eric Church fan and surprise you with tickets for your birthday and you took off your waiting job on Saturday night and we're going to Eric Church and and things like that. And now those people can't go. And people, they always, everybody does this. They say, oh, it's, it, just, he'll make it up, go next time. That doesn't mean that those people, and maybe it's just a few, it doesn't mean that there's a next time they'll be able to make it. No, and that's the, that's the whole deal is that it's, um, you know, man, I'm reminded of this and it, it seems to be in the same genre. Uh, my dude was probably 10 years old. He was playing uh, football for the DeSoto Panthers. Halloween fell on a practice night. And uh, I think in the morning on the way to school, he said, hey, Dad, do I have to go to practice today? I go, why wouldn't you go to practice? Oh, it's Halloween. I got to go trick-or-treating. I said, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about that this afternoon, but you probably got to go. And he was kind of pissy when he got out of the car. Get him, pick him up in the afternoon. Uh, Dad, I don't want to go to practice today. It's Halloween, trick-or-treating. And I literally had to, this dude's 10 years old, man. I had to sit down and talk to him and say, hopefully you can go after practice. There'll still be something available for you. I said, but you made a commitment, man. And he said, you just can't cancel on your commitment because it's something that you as an individual want to do. I said, what about your teammates out there, bro? What about them? They out there practicing and you ain't practicing because you out here getting some candy. I said, that's just not right, man. Fundamentally, other people are depending on you. So you should be accountable and go. Now, here, 10 years old, it made no sense to him. But as he got older, it made much more sense to him. And he's the kind of guy now who understands that that's messed up. I can't go do this, but I got to go take care of this commitment I got yeah and the other thing with this that part aside the other thing is you're a you're a hardcore North Carolina fan North Carolina has won six national championships only Kentucky and UCLA have won more North Carolina is one of the winningest top three winningest programs in the history of men's basketball you have a concert that you have scheduled out in advance and you know that the final four is going to be that weekend now, as Eric Church, now South North Carolina was an eight seed. Very surprising to some degree that they made the Final Four. But when you build out your tour, do you not maybe go, I am a fan of one of the best basketball programs of all time. The Final Four is that weekend. Hey, you know what, guys? Make sure we don't have a concert scheduled that Saturday night, just in case. Yeah, that, that would make sense to me. I think um, the other thing is, like, I would probably give you a pass if you went to St. Mary's and they had made the Final Four. Or, you know, if you went to Oregon and they made the Final Four, you know, some team, even Ohio State, if they made the Final Four because they're not a team that makes it often and you can't guarantee that they're going to get there again. It's like when Ohio State played the national championship in 2002 in football, I couldn't go. And I was pissed Mm -hmm. because the Cowboys were in the midst of searching for a head coach. And I was just like, I, I just can't. I ain't going to feel comfortable if I leave at that point being the lead beat guy and we don't know who the coach is. I mean, I just ain't going to be able to enjoy myself. So when they got, they didn't get back again 
until, um, you know, with a chance to win it in Dallas until 2014. And at that point, I was like, I'm going. And I told my wife, I don't care what tickets cost. We're in a good spot right now. Me and my dude are going because it's in Dallas. We ain't got to pay no airfare to get there. Yeah. So whatever it costs, we're going. And I just decided because, and I said because I really don't know when this will happen again. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But they haven't won a national championship in forever, uh, and I don't want to miss the I don't want to miss the next one. Yeah, and again, I I see a lot of different angles of all of this, but I just figure that if you're that big and you're that powerful and you make that much money and you are one of the elite level, I mean, he is at, at the top of the country genre. When you are building out your tour, if you're that hardcore about a like, if he's a North Carolina football fan which I imagine maybe he is, for all you know, maybe North Carolina is going to be good. You look at the team that they have, whatever the case, I would just sit there and schedule my, hey, make sure I don't have a concert on the ACC championship weekend or the college football playoff weekend. Make sure on Final Four Saturday, I don't have, push it to Sunday. Let's do it Friday night. I'll go to San Antonio. Just make sure it's not on that Saturday of the Final Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, it's, your, your, it's the Eric Church tour. You're the guy. You can pick and choose. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. It's a, it's bad. It's a bad deal for the fan base. But, I mean, I'm not going to think this is like a crime against the government. This is, I mean, he said it was selfish. It is selfish. Um, you should be better than that. But, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world that you're not. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate for the people who bought tickets. And hopefully he finds a way to make it up to those people in, in some way other than just, oh, I'm going to do a, a show again. Oh, I sent you a picture, man. Oh, okay. Let's see. Oh, look at you. There it is. See? That's see? That's, that's me and my dude celebrating nice. national championship, and it was good that I decided we were going to spend whatever it cost to get there. Yeah, because you'll never forget it, that, and that's a memory you can't put a price on. Right. That's why I sent Matt the picture, because I have the picture blown up sitting on the wall in my office. Very nice. All right, the final thing I've got for you here in the in the block is we talked about this maybe a week or so ago that legal draft brewing had closed. We have another very unfortunate closing of a brewery in North Texas. Really? As today it is official, Armadillo Ale Works up in Denton is permanently closing after 12 years up there in Denton. I'd been there a couple of times, cool brewery, solid beers. As a matter of fact, they have one called Honey Please. It's a honey golden ale that won a medal, I believe a gold medal at GABF a couple of years ago. And for a brewery that's been around for 12 years to shut it down, it's there's just no other way to paint it. It's just very, very unfortunate. But part of the problem we're seeing, breweries in a lot of cases still have not fully recovered from the pandemic. Keep in mind, again, stores were closed, breweries were closed. You couldn't go anywhere. They had to eat a lot of costs, and goods are going up. The cost of malt has gone up quite a bit. The cost of aluminum cans has gone up quite a bit. And some of these breweries had to take on a lot of debt in that time. And unfortunately, they have not bounced back as strongly. And here we are at the end of March, and we have seen now Brain Dead Brewing in Deep Ellum is done, Legal Draft in Arlington, and now Armadillo Ale Works up in Denton. It's disappointing, man. Um, as somebody uh, who's putting a business together, I would love to be 10 years from now talking about my 12th year, mm. and I can only imagine how devastating it would be to get to my 12th year and then be like, 
I just there's not another year coming. We got to yeah. shut it down for whatever reason. I can't find enough business. I can't pay my bills. I got to go get a regular job and go work for somebody. Yeah, man. It's it's very, very, very unfortunate. You hate to see it because that's somebody's dream that they got to do for 12 years and, and it is no more. Just unfortunate. And and it's unfortunate because there are breweries. I mean, Dallas-Fort Worth, the craft beer scene is still growing. It's just going through that pandemic for some of these breweries, it just was a very hard, difficult time. But Armadillo L Works, you'll probably still see some of their kegs out in the market and their cans on shelves. Same with Legal Draft, but when that stuff is gone and bought up, it's done. They're not replenishing it. It's out. So you have all that. Now, before we move on and know our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr. talking some cowboys here, let's tell you, of course, about JR, his guys, his crew at Freeway Tire Shop, the best of the best of the best when it comes to a mechanic when it comes to working on your car and the work you can trust, Jacques tells you all the time, I mean, he takes all of his cars to JR. If you haven't experienced Freeway Tire Shop just north of Dallas, what are you waiting for? Because you're either wondering, oh my God, I dropped it off at this place. I hope they don't rip me off. Or you just like throwing money away. I don't know which it is because with Freeway Tire Shop, you know every time you drop your car off, you can trust them. That's all we want in a mechanic, I think. Dude, it's the only thing you want a mechanic because most of us can't fix the cars ourselves. Otherwise, we would. Uh, and so the reason I rock with JR is just like Matt said. And it's, and it's real talk. And it's not just me. It's all his customers, man. You can trust the dude. You can trust him to diagnose a problem. You can trust. And I think this is underrated. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix your car. When you use quality parts to fix your car or premium parts to fix your car, it just means you don't have to come in for the same thing a year or two from now because the parts will hold up with the wear and tear means you can trust him not to gouge you but to give you a fair price for the work that he does and then man this is huge to me you can trust him to stand behind his work and guarantee it because no no mechanic is fallible they send you home your car is like oh man it's still doing it's still making that funky sound oh i thought we had that fixed okay bring it all back gets it fixed right away no uh, that'll be another hundred dollars. No, man. Oh, okay. Here's the problem. Da 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 da. It's fixed. That's happened to me a couple times with Jr. And it's always an easy thing to go back, get it fixed, and be off the way. And then the problem no longer exists. It's easy to do. It's Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote. All of that is online for you. Easy to get to at FreewayTireShop.com. And also, of course, speaking of cars and tires and all that, Blue Star Motor Group, man. Have you gone by? Have you checked out BlueStarMotorGroup.com yet to see if they've got something? Because I guarantee you they do. Blue Star Motor Group, we're about to hit tax season. Some people get really nice tax returns. This might be the time that you upgrade and you use that tax return and put it towards one of these kick-ass Carfax certified, high-quality pre-owned vehicles at bluestarmotorgroup.com because there are some nice ones on here dude the thing about blue star the thing i love about blue star they literally got a car for every budget bro whatever your budget is they got something that can fit it and to me that's great you got a high school kid needs a car boom they got you covered you just out of college need a car boom they got you covered you're like me at a time in my life. One that midlife crisis car. Boom, they got you covered. You just rolling in cash like Matt after being named one of the best midday hosts in America. Boom, they got you covered. Six figures, no problem for a guy like Matt. They got a car for every. <laughs> Why are you laughing, dog? They got a, They do have a car for every budget, man. Even yours nowadays. Oh, yes, they do. And I'll tell you this, man. They've got one right now. 
Every, I think we've talked about this. I'm a big Jeep guy. I love Jeeps. They have a 2018 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon, which is top-of-the-line Jeep, just over 34,000 miles on it, and they have it for under $52,000, which for that level of Jeep is phenomenal. Very nice ride. They also have another Jeep, and these both look like hardtops. There's another Jeep. 2016 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. They've got this one and now it has a little bit close to 73,000 miles on it, but it's only $35,000, which Jeeps, one of the things, oh, it's a Sahara. That's a Sahara for 35.9? That's impressive. That's what they do, man. Damn. The deals are phenomenal, bro. Yeah, Absolutely phenomenal. Jeeps are known as being like the top level for holding their value over time. They're a phenomenal resale vehicle. Phenomenal. Go get one of these. Send us pictures of you driving in it at bluestarmotorgroup.com. You can call or give Deb a text, 817-881-4066 at Blue Star Motor Group. Here he is, as always, ready for a very in-depth Cowboys conversation. You know him well. He's been doing it for a long time with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. It is Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us. You were there, Chill. You were in person earlier this week at the owners' meetings, whatever, the league meetings out there in Florida. You sat down with Jerry. What do you take away from everything that Jerry had to tell you guys? Well, you know, a lot of everything that came out after the meeting, I took away that Jerry was ready to fight back after everything that is going on uh, in the uh, in the offseason. And uh, he was ready to talk and ready to fight back. You know, he... Um, had a meeting with us at, at noon, these um, East Coast time. Later in the afternoon, he made a motion to throw out the lawsuit, uh, the fraternity suit against him, and 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 they basically unsealed the documents. And and you know there were some things that came to light regarding the suit, and, and, and at least their uh, belief that they were being extorted. And I think that was you know kind of went hand in hand while Jerry was finally ready to speak to the meeting for the first time you know, since January 28th when he called into the flagship station, you know, to justify why he, would, he left Mike McCarthy hanging. Since then, he has not talked, not taken questions from the media in public, not talked to the media at all, which is highly unusual and out of character for Jerry going back, you know, skipping the, the media availability at the Combine. He didn't go to the Combine and, and certainly different other events that he's been a part of, been around and, and refused to take questions, you know, uh, in light of What's come out regarding Rich Dalrymple in the lawsuit, uh, certainly the maternity suit, and everything else that's going on with the team. But uh, he was finally ready to talk, and and, and we listened. You know, the thing about it is, as I said, the uh, as regarding the football team and the moves, the more the Cowboys talk, it makes less and less sense of what they're doing. What does that mean? Stephen Jones told us that they could not keep Amari Cooper because they wanted to keep because they wanted to sign Michael Gallup. Okay, let me interrupt. Let me let me let me interrupt you for just a second. Just a second. Then I'm gonna give you the mic for about the next five minutes. (laughs) This is when Clarence just got all off in Stephen Jones's ass. Yeah, he did. That was nice. Did you see? What the fuck do you mean by telling us it's a better team with lesser players? What do you mean, Clarence? Well, you told us last year Mark Cooper was a motherfucker. Now you tell him he ain't no good and broke ass, broke down. Michael Gallup is the man. What the fuck are you talking about, Steven? No, I don't and I was just, I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe he's talking to Steven like this. Wow. 
Hey, you ain't got to take my word for it. Go to Twitter and look it up. Clarence Hill sticks foot in Stephen Jones' ass. Just do that on Twitter, and it'll come up. <laughs> I don't think I See? use that type of Oak Cliff vernacular as you like to say. <laughs> I was going to say. That would have sound, sounded like to me. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. You know, that's like at the United Nations thing where everybody got their headphones on, listen to the man, and they come in through their own language. <laughs> That's the language I heard. Oh. <laughs> Come on, I have more cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, only you, thing missing was the Will Smith slap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but you know, I, I, you know, we talked about the We feel good about it. how do you feel? It's like, it, it, it's like, don't believe you gonna believe me or your lying eyes. Okay, I, I know what you're telling me, but it's it's like. You see one thing and they tell you, I mean, how are you better? How do you feel better about your roster? And then you tell me again, you cannot say that we couldn't keep Amari Cooper because we had to put Michael Gallup. And Michael Gallup's going to miss the first two or three games of the season. <laughs> you know, I was told every game matters. You know, you know, game one matters like game 16. And, you know, it can certainly determine playoff positioning, certainly count whether you make the playoffs or not. You, you, you cannot give the first part of the season away with a lesser roster. And even if all things are equal, Michael Gallup is not as good as Mark Cooper. But you're going to say you're prioritizing re-signing Michael Gallup over paying Mark Cooper. Michael Gallup's going to miss who missed much of the season last year, eight games, and going to miss at least two or three games. We don't know when he's going to be fully healthy. And, and, and I've had an ACL. I know people with ACLs. You're not better until a year from now. Even if he comes back, he's not going to be – Michael Gallup until 2023. You know, like he's it. not going to be at his best until 2023. You know, it's just like it's just like you know now there's the notion that you know they decided to pass on Randy Gregory. It wasn't about the call. They decided to pass on Randy Gregory, <laughs> so they're going to get they're going to get three players instead of what they paid Randy Gregory. We got to get Darius Armstrong. We got to get kid from Atlanta, and we got Leighton Vanderesh. We got three for one. Good deal. That's a good deal. We were talking about this a couple days ago, Jacques and I were. It, the the maddening frustration where the cow it, it almost feels like the Cowboys think that they're the smartest person in the room where all of us have already taken the test. And we're like, but you got it wrong. Why are you trying to act like... I, it, it's strange how they keep saying this in a world in which we see the Browns and the Rams and other teams do what they're doing. Yeah, I mean... You know, obviously there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, 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 you know, and let's be honest, the Rams were all in last year, but they were a pop-up pick away from losing the NFC Championship game. But, you know, dude from San Francisco can't catch a cold butt naked in Alaska. And they <laughs> won't get, I mean, seriously, you can catch a tart, you can catch a pop-up pick. No, you're right. Sound like Blake, sound but, like Blake freaking Gideon, you know, catching <laughs> with a bit of damn. God. What, 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 I'm just saying, catch the ball. It's just a pop-up pick. I'm not asking you to be Larry Brown. Okay, I'm sorry. Just be Larry Brown. Just catch the ball. It comes with your hand. That's all you have to do. I'm not asking you to stand on your head. Okay? But he couldn't catch a pop-up pick. The Rams go on to win the Super Bowl, and, and you know, everything about their season was great. But, of course, we know that things could have been different, and everything could be different if, if one play goes different. And that's just how life is forces. You know, so – I'm not saying what the Rams are doing right. I'm not saying what the Cowboys are doing wrong. What we're saying is what the Cowboys have done has not yielded success. That's very true. You know, I think what my thing is, 
like you're talking about, yeah, you can skin the cat however many different ways you want, but when you say, well, we couldn't sign Cooper and do Gallup at the same time, yes, you could have, you just didn't no. want to. So, like, when, when they try to spin it, well, you know, the Randy Gregory thing, hey, we were willing to let him leave. We got these three players instead. It's almost like a snake oil salesman. Like, we know, like, we, I feel like people are too smart in this day and age. Like, we understand how it works. You guys don't have to try and sell us the snake oil. Just tell us what it is. Just like, hey, this is snake oil. This is our team this year. Drink it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, I think that once the fall, Cowboy fans are fed up. You know, I, they're not going to buy what Jerry Jones is selling. They may show up, but there's a a malay. Well, I don't think it's a malay. I think there's a frustration I've seen this offseason I've not seen before because in the past when I said they gotten better, everybody, you're just heading on the Cowboys. But now they're not doing anything to get better. And, you know, they keep saying we got the draft, we got the draft, we got the draft. And look what we got with Michael Parsons. No one saw that last year. Michael Parsons was a top 10 pick. You're picking 24. You're not getting a Michael Parsons at 24. No. Well, I don't know. They got Des Bryant at 24. Oh, obviously, the, yes. And, and the odds are that fell. you're not getting that kind of impact player, though. That's what you're saying. Yes. The odds are you're not. I mean, yeah, you know, odds are you're not. And, and but every other team has to draft and prove too, with more picks and with better picks. That doesn't give you an advantage over anybody else. Where you have your advantages, a team that has advantage in free agency, when you can outspend somebody, you can do whatever to, you know, to jump people. You're not jumping somebody with what you do in the draft, because everybody has the same right to pick players too, and some will have more picks than you. And better picks and premium picks and all the other stuff. And I, I know the Brandon Carr thing, and, and we've kind of talked about that, but what is it that has them so afraid in free agency to spend any money on anybody outside of their own guys? Because, yeah, you got burned, and other teams sometimes get burned, but also at the same point, sometimes other teams sign other free agents and pay big money, and it turns out to be a great thing for them. I don't know. There's no question about that, but I think that they're, they're, they're so – they're so focused on making money and not losing money. And I think that's what it is. You know, you know, they're, they're very good about making money and they do not want to lose money. And, 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 and I think that that's what, where they see bad investment come in and signing guys who are not your own. And they think there's some, if guys let somebody walk in phrase there's something wrong with him and they don't want to risk losing money in that respect. Because none of, nothing else makes sense. Because they will pay their own guys, and they've done that. You know, they paid Dak, and they paid Zeke, and they paid off his lineman at the top of the at the top levels of the league, and they will pay their own guys. Sometimes they pay the guys too soon, too much. like Jalen Smith. But it's they have a history, of so it's not like they're cheap to their own guys. They just don't want to pay outside guys. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's so you know strange. What I mean? It's, it's strange yeah, to me when it's not working and what you've been doing, you know, and, and you could look in years past and say, even with the Brandon Carr thing, it didn't work back then. But at some point, it's just maddening. It's so bizarre, especially when they try and act like, oh, but we couldn't have done that. Like, we really wanted to keep them both, but we couldn't on the salary cap. God. Yeah, it, it, and that's all. And just like, you know, just the, you know, they were never interested in Bobby Wagner. We see they, they told them the money from the jump. Yeah, they weren't going to be interested. They're going to be players. They knew he was going. He was looking for money. Same thing with Von Miller and, and and whatever. But the goal to me, and I've said this before, the goal is not to balance the budget. The goal is to win. And I know you want to always be competitive. And the Cowboys have been competitive. They've been eight and eight or better. Barring a major injury, which made them go to six and ten. You know, they've always been competitive. You know, they've never, you know, you know, uh, really been at at the bottom. 
and Jerry wants them to be competitive and relevant, but you're, you're spinning your wheels. And they've been spinning their wheels pretty much the last 25 years because they won't go all in. And they're not going all in this year. So this is another year where, you know, and the thing about it is when you don't go all in, uh, to me, you still got this core of players you're relying on, but you're just wasting the core. Uh, and I'm talking about, obviously, Tyron Smith and Demarcus Lawrence and Zach Martin. Uh, in general, uh, Zeke is still in there, although he's easing out of his prime now, as opposed to the other guys who are kind of still in it. Once those guys are past their prime, bro, you got to create a whole new core. And, yeah, CeeDee Lamb will be part of it, some other guys, but that was really a core that had a chance to really do something. And, you know, as we've discussed many times, they don't appear like they're going to get it done. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, 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 the flip side of this, and, and which is people have been whispering in, in back hallways and everywhere else, and the Capitol will never admit publicly, they're setting themselves up to have a lot of money to make some moves next offseason. That don't help Mike McCarthy. Up, thank you. Which is why you got to set it in hush tone. You know, which is to me, he, it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating to me for Mike McCarthy. He's going to be like the magic shop. I ain't going to be here. I like Eddie Johnson mean, but I mean, because we all know he got to win big to keep his job, especially with, with Sean Payton working and the, 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 the affinity for Dan Quinn uh, out there. And they're not doing everything they can to set him up to win in, in 2022, but yet the prospects for 2023 look great as far as them finally breaking out. Because I know how they do. They won't spend this to the next year. They're going to buy everything. You know, and, and Mike McCarthy's going to be gone and, and not be able to be the beneficiary of that. You know, because Zeke's contract is going to be gone. Let's be honest, Zeke last year. Oh, say it ain't so. Goodbye, Buckeye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, if, you know they, they, they will be looking, they will move, move moving on from those type of deals and whatever else. And and, and so, and the cap is going to go up and, 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 a lot of things going to be falling off. They will have a lot of money. There'll be a wash in, in cap room for 2023. Uh, who will be the person leading that team? Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's a $64,000 question. You know, will, will it be, you know, you know, John Payton? Will it be, you know, Dan Quinn? You know, of course, they got, you know, we, we, we know they got to do the Rooney Rule. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? <laughs> because we know it's going to be a sham. We know Jerry has his eyes on who he wants. Wait, you mean either Dan Quinn or Sean Payton will be the next coach? How can you know, though? They haven't interviewed all the candidates yet. I mean, come on. Have you checked? I, mean, God. I don't know. Have you checked with Jeff Kavanaugh? He probably knows. <laughs> what? I, just, I mean, he's one of the three I mean, best Cowboy right. reporters of all time. He is I top three. Nobody, top three Cowboys people. I figured you checked with him before uh, you did your stuff. I'm just saying. No shade. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? Because that's like a sixty foot umbrella. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I just asked a question. <laughs> All right. Well, but, let's. I mean, I'm just saying, but for Cowboy fans, it, 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 I would think you know, it's one thing I said to other day. It's a good thing McCarthy is focusing on draft because that's the only way he's going to be able to move his team to uh to to keep his job. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad he's focusing on draft. I'm glad he's not the only. I'm glad he's putting all those kids on draft. At least that's something he can control or try to control to, to, to help himself keep his job. So they're not doing anything afraid to help. Do you see them strictly offensive line, or do you see them dabbling some other places? 
how I do not see them strictly offensive line. I mean, I just, I mean, first of all, if, 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 if there's a, I don't think there's an offensive line at 24 that's going to be like, ooh, he's going to be the next Zach Martin or whatever else. Right. There, there could be a receiver that drops there that could be special, you know, and, and they, they're going to draft the receiver, you know, and there could be a receiver that drops there, uh, maybe, you know, a linebacker, maybe a pass rusher. Uh, but, you know, they, they said that they want to still add another offensive lineman in free agency to help them be pure in the draft, but they want more to reach, but you really don't have a starter at left guard right now. And they, they, you know, obviously they still need a swing tackle and, and some things like that. You get up some depth. But, um, you know, it, it, this will be a decidedly offensive draft compared to last year with a decided defense draft. So they need help receiver, offensive line, tight end. You know, they could certainly draft a running back because not just the Zeke gone last year, but Tony Pollard's contract is up next year. I mean, well, I like Tony Pollard, so I don't, I'm not interested in watching him go anywhere. No, you're not interested in watching him go anywhere, but he's not going to ever be the lead back. Right. You know, he's going to be a part-time back guy who shared the load. You still need someone to, to run with him. No, no doubt about that. Uh, what would you, you – know, I mean, you've told us who, who's going to be a vet. What would you be in favor of? Offensive lineman, receiver, pass rusher? I mean, I don't think uh, – let me just shut up. What do you, What would you be in favor of? <laughs> I mean, if Jamison Williams is there, Chris Olave is there, how can he pass up on this guy? Yeah, Lave. I mean, either one of those guys at twenty four, especially Williams, who would have been top ten, and it, it to me he fits the mold of what the Cowboys like to do, because that's that was a guy who a lot of people thought would be top ten before he hurt his knee in the in the championship game, and if you get that dude at twenty four, where you feel like oh we just got a top ten pick and look at this, I, it feels like that's the the prototypical thing that they like to do at that range in the draft. Yeah, the only thing that scares you about him is you already got one receiver coming off ACL now. You yeah. Get- Going to draft another come off ACL, and now I think Jamison was a little ahead of. Uh, he had a surgery before uh, Gallup. Gallup, but you know it, it's, it's still a question. But he, when he's healthy, again your draft pick is not a one-year decision; it's a ten-year decision. You know, actually, it's like a five-year decision now. But but this guy will be special, you know, and he he's healthy. He's the number one receiver off the board. All right, I'll take another dude who would have broke down body. <laughs> yeah the the non-contact acl that you gotta love with turf man unbelievable but it, it'll be i i think because of the type of receiver that is really likely to be there at 24 that they'll have their pick of a couple of guys it's just going to become do they do they feel that that's a true difference maker Whereas you're talking about, Chill, the offensive linemen that are going to be there, how much difference is there between what you could get there and what you could get with your pick in the second round? Right, and, and, and that's the question. Certainly you need, you need help, especially on the interior offensive line. And at some point, you know, we, you know, Paris Smith is year to year. You're going to have to take a tack and, 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 and start that, you know, succession plan there. But, yeah, it's, it's, and, and we still, you know, again, Karen still we love him, what he did, you know, in replace of, of – but is he your full-time master? You know, they're betting on that, so, so we'll see. But, yeah, so you – their needs up front, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's the green kid out of A&M, I don't think everybody's that in love with him, but, but you know, he's a solid guy. Is he going to be special? If somebody wants to spend a first-round pick on that question, that's a couple of other guys at the center out, out of Iowa. You know, if that's what you want to do, if you want to change out of center, you still need to address car. You know, and, and so there's some questions there. Uh but, but the thing that I got from them and basically what they're saying, that they're counting on Dak Prescott to 
uplifting teammates. They're counting on their $40 million quarterback to be a $40 million quarterback, you know, to make up for lesser parts of the team. You know, and after a full offseason, I, you know, for the first time in three years, full up the offseason, you know, and, and him to be able to train and get his body right and, and have, you know, to throw to the receivers that he had, haven't been able to do the last couple of years because of various reasons. You know, it was it a contract holdout or, or last season, you know, he was, you know, certainly rehabbing. He wasn't able to fully throw to his receivers in the offseason, which may have played a role in, in their, you know, lack of um, production and consistency down the stretch. He'll be able to do that this offseason. You know, and so they're they're banking on that, but they're banking on Dak to be that. They're banking on Dak to be the $40 million man. Now, we've talked about this amongst us. Do you think Dak is that kind of dude? You know, I, I always thought that the, the best part of Dak was not necessarily his, his, his physical, but, but everything he brought to the game. The sum of his parts was the best part of Dak. Uh, but when you pay a guy $40 million, you need him to be special. Okay. And not just not just organizing people in the offseason and being good in the locker room. <laughs> you need to be special on the field. Now, see, I think that's a great point because you just said – and I've agreed with, like, I don't think he's the guy who, I mean, I think he's a really good quarterback, so he does some of that, but I think it's a lot of the other stuff that he does. And so I don't know, you can pay him as much as you want to pay him. That don't make it so. I mean, you can pay a stripper to be your wife. She's still a stripper. I guess you wouldn't pay a stripper to be your wife. You can marry a stripper, but it still means she was a stripper. Even if you that married was her past. She can be a good housewife after that, but she can become a good housewife. Yeah, I mean, who cares what they do before you meet them? Jeez. <laughs> Y'all both know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what? Both of you yeah. deserve a Will Smith moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my new phrase. Yeah. I'm finna Smith you guys. God, all right. <laughs> I'm finna, uh, maybe I'll change it. I'm going to give you the Willard. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Oh, hey, that's hey, you know. That's what you're trying to say, and I don't know how I don't we know. got there. I don't, I don't know how either. we got. I don't know how we got to the analogy talking about <laughs> Dak, who's pure and yeah, Apparently, don't know how we got down there, bro. Dak is a stripper wife. I don't know. I, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my point is. Know. No matter how much you pay him, I don't know if Dak can ask you to do what you ask him to do. But to be fair, he can. if you married her because she thought you she was hot as a stripper, then you better make sure that you provide her the clothes and a pole and some nice stuff there at you, home. There, there you go. That's what I'm talking about, Matt. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Put a pole in your bedroom. Exactly. So give him some damn receivers. Yeah, and a skimpy <laughs> bikini. Right. Or some pasties. Well, again, I don't know how we got down this road. The Cowboys are counting on Dak to be a $40 million quarterback, not to be a $40 million stripper. He won't be the polar staff. <laughs> They're not asking to be the polar staff for you Longhorn fans, okay? Oh, my God, the polar assassin. <laughs> no, but I think to that point, if that's what they're trying to do, then it makes even more sense in, in a way that you would go out and get a dynamic wide receiver in the first round to give him more weapons so that he has those types of things if you want him to be the $40 million quarterback. Yes. But but again, they're asking him to uplift lesser players, like yeah. quote unquote the Aaron Rodgers and other people of the world. They're asking them to. We're not going because we're paying you. We can't go get you that guy. So we're asking you to make some. We, we, first of all, we got your first round pick, which is akin to bells and whistles. 
when CD Lamb, okay? We're paying your tight end for $10 million. We do have some high-priced high guys up front, but we're going to need you to make some of these other guys better. We're going to need you to, to do some things to uplift some of these other guys. Yeah, I, I, I guess this becomes the year where we find out if Dak actually can be that type of quarterback, and maybe that's what they're trying to find out as well. Or they believe that he is that guy, which is why they paid him, and, and he's going to have to prove that he is. Yeah, I mean, they, they believe he's that guy. They, you know, you, you, you pay him market value, but you also pay him because you believe he's that guy, unlike Cleveland, who, who didn't believe Baker was that guy, which is why they moved on. Clarence Hill Jr. is always, man. It's always fun. We appreciate it. <laughs> it was a wild <laughs> talk today. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, we'll see you. Later. There he is, Clarence Hill Jr. at Fort Worth Star-Telegram. But I kind of got your analogy to some degree. I mean, there, there's some yeah. truth to that. Yeah, I don't think I, it came out the way I wanted it to, but y'all know what I was talking about. Yeah, I got you. I understand. All right, so as we move forth, just a quick little something about the Mavs because they only have five regular season games remaining. They play tonight, and I say play tonight in the sense many of you listening to this on Friday, April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day, by the way. They play tonight. After tonight, they will have four regular season games remaining, and this is a team that is playing at a level right now. It feels like they're peaking at the right time. They've won five out of six. They've won three in a row. They just beat the Jazz. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Cavs. Luka against the Lakers had a 30-point triple-double. He was one rebound shy of another 30-point triple-double the other night against Cleveland. Now they have Washington here on Friday night. Then they play Giannis and the Bucks on Sunday. Then Detroit next Wednesday before wrapping it up next Friday and Sunday against Portland and San Antonio. But, dude... They've been playing so well. They are now tied with Golden State for the three seed in the West. How about that? Um, that's really interesting, man, because uh, for the longest time, they were just fourth or fifth, fourth mm -hmm. or fifth, or they were fifth trying to get to fourth. And um, the way it's worked out, they just continue to win Golden State without Steph Curry, who's out with, I believe, a foot injury. Um you know, they're resting him now for the playoffs or whatever, but he's out and they free falled without him. Um, Utah is imploding, so they've both been going backward, and the Mavericks has just kept winning, and they looked up, and here they are. And that's why, you know, a lot of times you hear coaches say, don't worry about the standings. Just win, just play, win games, and let's check it out later and see if we've, if we've moved up. Uh, still looks to me like they're going to get Utah. But Utah's falling apart, so now is a good time to get Utah. Yeah, and, and it feels like they match up well with them. I think they, they've got a very good chance to win a first-round series. To your point, Utah's lost five in a row, and Golden State has lost four in a row and seven out of their last eight, which has allowed the Mavs to make their way back up the standings. They're 19 games over 500 at 48-29, and 29, tied with the, the Golden State Warriors for that three-seed. And if the playoffs started today, Utah's fallen to the, the sixth seed, so they would play Utah. But it's it's going to either be, it looks like, either Utah or Denver in that first round, and, and I kind of like either one of those matchups. But the, the best part about this is the Mavs have a two-game lead over Denver for that like third or fourth spot, which means as long as they don't just lose five straight, they should be getting a first-round home-court advantage playoff series, which is really nice. Yeah. And to me, that was the whole key. You wanted home court in the first round because we know it's all about game seven. You want that in your building with your fans getting crunk and getting crazy. Um, here's the deal, though, man. I love the way they're playing right now. 
Um, they got that defense. Uh, we know about defense. It never leaves you. It never forsakes you. It'll be there all the time for you. Um, I love that. And uh, Reggie Bullock seems to have found his three-point stroke now. You had him with uh, Finney. Uh, and all, all of a sudden, you know, you've got these three and D guys who can really elevate your defense. Yep. And, dude, for the first time, it's exactly what you said. They are the team that's playing their best basketball as we come down the home stretch. They really are, man. I mean, they really, really are. And, you know, part of it is that I also like is if you get the three seed, and I know we're looking ahead a little bit here, and you first things first, win a damn playoff series. But if you do that and you win a series, if you're the three seed, you avoid Phoenix until the Western Conference Finals. And they match up nicely against Memphis. And Memphis is going to be the two seed. I, I'm just saying... Basketball is a lot of the times about matchups. We've seen that over the years. This is a very good Dallas team playing great basketball. And Luka, who has just been a different person the last month or so, we all know what playoff Luka can do. Dude, I just love them because they're playing good basketball right, right now, man. So many times it seems like, you know, the Mavericks have been in the playoffs or they're making their playoff run. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, you know, they haven't been playing their best basketball. It's like, oh, they're good to get in. Uh, you know, I've told you a couple times over the last few years, I don't really know if they're good enough to win a series, man. They're not the better team. Yeah. They need some luck to, to get it done. But now, um, and, you know, I've been reluctant to say that, but now, dog, it's, uh, they should, they should, uh, they got to bring that first series home. They do, and I'm excited about it. Again, there's one more full week of regular season basketball, and we'll find out more. I also thought this was fascinating because Luca, who had that 30-point triple-double the other night, he is now tied for fifth all-time with Wilt Chamberlain for career 30-point triple-doubles. But more impressive, perhaps, he's already 10th all-time in just triple-doubles. Is that insane or what? He's 23 years old, and he's 10th all-time in NBA history in triple-doubles. <laughs> Makes no sense at all, man. How about the – did you see the move that he made last night where yeah, he faked the, the yeah. dude out? I mean that's insane right there, bro. It's I looked at else, that dude. I looked at that play, man, probably seven to ten times trying to figure out just how he pulled it off because it's like he drove to the bucket and I thought he elevated, but he he acted like he was jumping, but his feet never left the ground. Yeah. And then it's like he faked it left and then he held it over his head and faked it. And the guy literally turned his head to him and then he shot a short little jumper over him. And I'm like, dude. That's that's that should be illegal. It's pretty wild, man. I mean, he is we all know how elite this guy is, and it just feels like he's starting to open up that door to what is perhaps going to start being his prime over the next few years. And he's yeah. just a joy to watch. And and if you're like me, you like watching him. You get national games every so often, and I believe the Sunday game against Milwaukee is a national game, and I think it tips at noon, which is fantastic. So I'll be watching that on Sunday afternoon because Luca, my God, he is just every he's awesome. He I can't I still can't believe he's a, he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> it is good fortune that he does because he's fun to watch and uh dude, you know, I've told you forever. I'm I'm the guy who gets down with greatness and uh that's what he's all about. 
All right, enjoy your weekend. We will be back with you dropping one on Monday as we roll into the first week of April already here in 2022. So have a good weekend and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.